episode of Breaking the Plane. First, I want to acknowledge the fact that if this episode does sound like doo-doo, that is because my microphone just crapped out on me. So, that will be rectified soon enough. But, let's get on to football. I'm not alone. No, I am not. Joseph Ferriola is with me. Joe, how are you doing? How you doing, Nate? I'm doing great, man. I'm ready to talk about the division that we are both fans of. You are a Dallas Cowboys fan. I am a New York Giant fan. So this division obviously means a lot to us. And this division also had the Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles, who we're going to dive into. Joey, how did you like their draft? Do you think it fit their identity? Because just kind of going over this roster, you can see how... There's really not that many holes here, especially with Holly Pooley Vitae Vitae, just had to throw that name in there, stepping up and playing after the Jason Peters injury. I, I like this draft overall for the Eagles. I think adding Dallas Goddard really um, applies to their offense. Uh, he's very, he's, he's going to be a very athletic tight end for them. He's going to be good in the two tight end sets that the Eagles like to run with him and Zach Ertz. So overall, while they didn't have many picks, I think they only, they only had uh, five picks, I think, in this draft. And, and they reported that they never want to have this many, uh, this low amount of picks ever again because of kind of like, I guess there's lack of impact then in, in their draft overall. Then, yeah, I, I think it's a solid draft. I, I wouldn't say it's anything special. And there's a lot of upside players. I know you want to talk about Josh Sweat a little bit, right? Of course, man. I mean, Josh Sweat was, I was one of his bigger fans coming through this draft process. He goes to the combine and is essentially an alien running one of the fastest 10-yard splits, running an incredibly fast 40-yard dash, and he falls all the way to the fourth round. And if you watch Josh Schwett's tape, you can see it's not due to a lack of talent or his skill set or anything like that. Actually, you can argue that he was somewhat played out of position because he wasn't always on the edge at Florida State. He would line up at four technique, even three techniques sometimes, in a four-point stance, when if you look at Josh Sweat, you think he could be more of that base 4-3 end or even a 3-4 edge rusher. That's where I think he can come in here and do either one of those things, whatever Jim Schwartz wants to do. He's more of a 4-3 base end kind of guy. I think he can have success. The main reason he fell, though, was because of the knee injury. A devastating knee injury he had back in high school, and he kept the scholarship with Florida State. They saw it through because he was like, five-star recruit, Josh Sweat ends up going there, ends up having to have meniscus surgery during one of the off-seasons as well. So he's been dealing with his knee injury, and there were a lot of reports coming out prior to the draft that, hey, this guy's knee, it's not good. He was off draft boards, but you know what? He falls to the end of the fourth round to the Super Bowl champs. If he stays healthy, I mean, that is just an absolute steal. Josh Sweat, I mean, I can't say enough about this guy. He has an incredibly low center of gravity, even though he is a very big guy when he plays. He's a very, very strong base. Knows how to use his hands and is an incredible athlete. I know there's one play that went around Twitter, him showing the pursuit and the range to track a ball carrier down on the backside. Absolutely ridiculous kind of athleticism, and I really just love this pick for the Eagles. And that's one of those things where you look at the NFL and you're like, yo, this guy's knee checks out, man. <laughs> you guys missed a gem right here. Yeah, and it Another thing to look at is just the amount of depth on the Eagles' defensive line, too. And if you think about it, we should also be including, like, Michael Bennett, in a way, in this draft class, because they used one of their draft picks on Michael Bennett. Exactly. To go out and get him from Seattle. Right, I believe it was their fifth-round selection. Am I, am I right there? It was something along those lines. I want to say some really, really smart dude from some website wrote a whole piece on, you know, people acquiring talent and stuff like that for, you know, veteran talent for... Mid-round draft capital, but who knows who that may be. Yeah, I'm not sure. He's definitely not smart. (laughs) Yeah, but Derek Barnett, you know, they went and they addressed it. 
that position last year in the first round, getting him out of Tennessee. Still have Fletcher Cox, Brendan Graham, who they, we saw lined up at three technique. We know Mark Schofield, a Patriot fan, Lockdown Patriots host, talked about watch out for Brendan Graham at three technique. I'm Shaq Mason, and what happens? Brendan Graham takes advantage, makes Tom Brady fumble, and the rest is absolute history. And the Eagles, this, you had to look at this too. They were able to retain Nigel Bradham. They're getting Jordan Hicks back this year. It's just, man, the rich get richer kind of thing when you look at the Philadelphia Eagles team. Should you have Jason Peters back? Hopefully he can stay healthy for their sake because he's a very, very talented player. Hopefully Carson Wentz can come back as well. And they also got very, very creative in this draft because they went out and they drafted Jordan Maliata out of Australia, who is a six foot eight, 345-pound monster of a man who they can groom to potentially play offensive tackle. Do you think we're going to see more players being drafted without football backgrounds, just these high upside picks in those sixth to seventh round ranges? I mean, you might, because the team rather have that security of not having to let them go to undrafted free agency so they can bring them in early. And I mean, when you're the Eagles, you're the Super Bowl champions, you have the luxury of taking a high upside player like that in the late rounds as where maybe a team like maybe like the Browns or something do not but even the Browns technically they might because they have so much draft capital but still like teams like that can't really afford to take those kind of um, risks as the Super Bowl champs can oh no doubt man Josh Sweat though I mean, you trade away Vinny Curry, and you were able to bring him in. I just think that's a home run pick here. And then they also bring in Joe Ostman in undrafted free agency. And Joe Ostman is somebody who's not going to wow you with his athletic ability, but he's an incredibly tough player, somebody who gains a lot of sacks through grit, and he is good against the run. I did a lot of, I did one of the evaluations for the draft guide. I did one of the cross checks on Joe Ostman. We came away. He would have been a starter in three years. We had that kind of grade on him, but he fell through the cracks here. Wasn't even invited to the combine because he wasn't known for his athletic ability, but that was a solid get for the Philadelphia Eagles in undrafted free agency. And they're looking picks that they had last year. They're going to be looking at Matt Collins. They're going to be looking at Elijah Qualls and players like that to kind of step up into these roles. They bring in Mike Wallace as well. So, I mean, a repeat is really not out of the question here for Philadelphia. Agreed. I mean, they're going to be a, a pretty difficult team to bring bring down this year. No doubt. But let's move on to the Washington Redskins. Now, the Washington Redskins, in the first round, they go with Deron Payne. A lot of people saw this kind of as a panic pick because a lot of people thought they had Vita Vea. Vita Vea ends up going at 12 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who traded back to acquire Vita Vea. So they still landed the guy that a lot of people thought Tampa wanted. Deron Payne's sitting there, one pick later, and a lot of people said, hey, they could have went with Darius Geis there, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But they get Deron Payne, who's somebody who flashed in the biggest moments. He flashed in the playoffs for Alabama, but was relatively quiet throughout the rest of his career. But he's going to step in, and we all know. We saw, we watched these Washington games. They could not stop the run last year. And Jonathan Allen dealt with injuries. Now you have that combination of smart, intelligent, Nick Saban coached players like Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen playing on that defensive line. They just want to beef it up because they need to stop the run. They face the Cowboys twice a year. They face Philly. And now with the Giants with Saquon Barkley, they face them twice a year as well. Yeah, I mean... And Washington loves Alabama players. <laughs> I mean, like you mentioned, Jonathan Allen the year before. They also took Sean Deion Hamilton in the sixth round. So, And then I think a year ago, I forget his name, but they took another uh, Alabama linebacker that was at the Senior Bowl. Maybe, maybe Ryan Anderson. Remember. It was Ryan, Ryan Anderson. Anderson. Yeah, he was an edge rusher. And honestly, that pick, I felt, was a little bit premature. Ryan Anderson wasn't known for his athletic ability. And if you remember from the Senior Bowl, we were both down there. He was just taking advantage of on the one-on-one drills 
uh, in the first day, I remember, and it kind of exposed. Like, it was one of those things where Senior Bowl is not supposed to hurt a player, but it kind of hurt the player, but he still ended up being a day-two pick. So I'm guessing they have high hopes for him. It's just I question his real athletic ability to be an effective edge at that level. But he's still a smart Alabama coach player, can play the run, those kind of things. But, yes, that defense has a ton of Nick Saban people. But another player, Darius Geis, LSU, obviously the SEC West rival of Alabama, Falls to the second round. Now, I know you're a big Darius guys fan. Would you want to take the reins? Tell, tell us what the NFC East has to look forward to playing the Skins twice a year. I had Darius guys as my uh, first-ranked running back in this draft, and I just love the way he plays the position. Like He's, he's my type of back. Uh, maybe it's just me liking downhill-style runners, but I, I really think he's going to fit in, a, in Washington's offense behind uh, uh, Bill Callahan's coached offensive line. Um, and the Redskins' offensive line last year was really banged up. I mean, they, at one point, I, I think they had, like, that, if you go back to that Dallas week, I think the second time they played Dallas in Washington, I think their line was missing both tackles. And maybe, like, I think they're starting center, too. Or, or I, I don't know, something like that. But they were really banged up last year. So it's, I expect the run game in Washington to really improve this season with Alex Smith quarterbacking. So I think there's going to be a lot. Uh, there's a lot to like about guys, though. Uh, I, I went a little off track there. Um, uh, the athletic ability is amazing. He, he, he's powerful back. He, he can also outrun you. Now, he had an injury this past season. His 2016 tape is a little bit more explosive than his 2017 tape. But if you go and watch that bowl game against Notre Dame, you could see some of that explosiveness come back. Um, and there's actually a run that he had. It was back near uh, LSU's own end zone and he just shredded a guy and punched the guy off him basically in the open field and uh, picked up a lot of yards after contact it's uh, it's a good setup for Alex Smith to come into we know Alex Smith is a veteran quarterback now this is his third team sort of underappreciated a lot in his career and he gets to come to Jay Gruden's offense and I feel like he can mesh well here and the thing that is kind of concerning is the fact that they don't have a lot of weapons we know Bill Callahan wants them to run the football and they get Darius guys as a gem really because there were what character quote-unquote concerns none of us really know exactly why but he falls all the way down they're able to scoop him up and if Trent Williams and Morgan Moses who both dealt with injuries this last year if they could stay healthy with Sean Leveo, Brennan Sheriff who they drafted in the top 10 a couple years ago I mean that is a solid offensive line they're going to want to run the ball they can use Alex Smith's athleticism as well and use him on you know bootlegs they can use him on read options if they even want to something like Andy Reid has been doing with him they're just going to need guys like Paul Richardson who they brought in Josh Doxson who they drafted in the first round to kind of step up and be those receivers that they are going to need to be successful in the NFC East Jordan Reid is another person who must stay healthy as well but when you look at the rest of this draft Jerron Christian out of Louisville he's an athletic tackle i thought it was a little bit early though i don't think a lot of people had him going in the second day but that's somebody this is a good landing spot for him if you think about it because both those tackles are in place morgan moses is one of the better right tackles in the league whereas trent williams is one of the better left tackles in the league so they can kind of just develop him and obviously they have a very talented offensive line coach so i understand where their mindset was i just thought it was a little premature troy apke we saw him at the combine absolutely kill the combine athletically but at penn state no one really knew who troy apke was troy apke was a special teams ace like the Draft him in the fourth round. I thought that was a little, uh, thought that was a little premature as well. So those two picks, I had some questions about. And then you have Tim Settle. I'm not a big Tim Settle guy. I know there are a lot of people who kind of swear by him a lot more. 
He's out of Virginia Tech. A lot of, some people had day two grades on him. He falls in the fifth round. They bring him in. It's another depth piece for this team. Again, I wasn't as high on him, but this wasn't a second or third round pick, so I can kind of understand that. And then there's Sean Dion Hamilton, who you went into as well. They also add Greg Stroman. He's a cornerback, feisty cornerback out of Virginia Tech. That is good value there in the seventh round because we know, looking at their roster, they still have Josh Norman, but they lost Rashad Breeland. And Rashad Breeland had that whole weird thing where he was going to Carolina, but he had like an f- infection in his foot and he didn't end up going there. So they need as much corner help there. They bring Orlando Scandrick. Fabian Moreau, they drafted last year as well out of UCLA. He dealt with the injury with the torn pec. So you bring a Stroman. I think that was a solid pick. As well. And then there's the last pick, Mr. Irrelevant. And we have to dive into Mr. Irrelevant because you've done a lot of film on him and because he is Mr. Irrelevant. Always somebody to talk about. Tell us something about Trey Quinn. Yeah, I don't think Trey Quinn is actually a uh, great Mr. Irrelevant. I think he's going to actually be a pretty solid player in the NFL. Probably play the Z, but I think he's best suited for the slot as a big slot, um, kind of like a Cooper Cup type body size. But he, has, he probably has best hands in the entire class uh, I thought he has really natural soft hands and you saw that at the combine in the gauntlet drill and you see it on his tape as well now he might not be as explosive as you initially might think but I think that's because he added a lot of weight to his legs he, he bulked up his legs coming from LSU to SMU at LSU he ran a really fast 40 time I think it might have been in four it might have been high 4.3 or, or low 4.4s. Four I can't remember. I don't want to put any numbers specifically. But he was a fast player, and he looked a little slower at SMU. But he does have that short area quickness still, uh, even though he bulked up. So maybe he was trying to gain more explosiveness in the short game because that might be where he's best suited for moving into the NFL. Good for Trey Quinn, too. I mean, he might not be he might be Mr. Irrelevant, but you know, he might end up being Mr. Relevant, then he gets to learn behind Jamison Crowder, which is a pretty good slot receiver to learn behind. They also bring in Quinn Blanding, who was a very productive safety out of Virginia. They were able to acquire him in a free agency, as well as they also brought in Simi Cobbs Jr., who was a more regarded wide receiver. Did you have any work on Simi Cobbs? Yeah, Simi Cobbs is a big receiver, uh, doesn't get a lot of separation, has good hands. But he, he's more of those, like, get it, probably like a red zone type receiver, go up and get it for now, because he doesn't really separate that well. So he's pretty much a developmental uh, receiver at this point in his career. I totally understand that. I mean, that's why you bring in these undrafted free agents to see if you can crack that roster. I mean, Washington's one of the... It seems like there are many teams that don't really have strong receiving cores, and Washington is one of them. So is the Dallas Cowboys. So let's kind of transition into the Dallas Cowboys. And you're a Cowboys fan, so... How did you feel about the Leighton Vander Esch pick? Um, I like the pick overall. I think um, that taking a wide receiver like maybe Calvin Ridley, it, it might have helped earlier on, but this is kind of the pick that you could see like down the line uh, where it could help the team out more. Um, Vander Esch is kind of raw. I mean, he's really athletic, and he's also very smart, but on tape there's also an element of production that you're kind of hoping to see more of, but he does have the ability to quickly identify um, gaps to shoot through, and he also plays great uh, against the pass and coverage. He's, like I said, he's very athletic, and that fits in what Chris Richard's going to do in, in the back end uh, with his new defense that he's implementing as, uh, I guess he's the passing 
game coordinator or whatever title um, Dallas is giving him behind Rob Marinelli, the actual defensive coordinator. But um, yeah, he I think he he's a good he's this next gen type of linebacker that the NFL seen. You want to see those guys who are able to play uh, athletic running backs play maybe against a, a tight end underneath. Um, and I just think that uh, Van Der Esch was probably the best pick. And maybe one day he can take over for Sean Lee if, as the leader of the defense. Yeah, maybe. And, I mean, you've got to look at the state of the NFC East, too. Leighton Van Der Esch, like you just brought up, is very good in coverage. And look at the Giants. They have a tight end named Evan Ingram. Look at the Eagles. They have tight ends now, Dallas Goddard. And they also have Zach Ertz, obviously. And then you look at the Redskins, Jordan Reed, when he's healthy. You're going to need to cover these guys, so you need to find long, athletic pieces like Leighton Van Der Esch. And I'm sure that was in mind when they drafted him. And I know a lot of Cowboy fans were out there saying, oh, we could have got Isaiah Wynn. And I do agree with that. I was a huge fan of Isaiah Wynn. He was like a top 16 player of mine in this draft process. But in the second round, you have Connor Williams fall to you. And, I mean, as a Cowboy fan, you must have been ecstatic about that, no? Oh, yeah, Connor Williams. I, I really think this line is going to be 2016-esque again because mm-hmm. I, I think they honestly have Pro Bowl talent across the board now. I, it, it's, really, it's really incredible how you drop Ronald Leary and you add in uh, Chaz Green and Jonathan Cooper, and there's a kind of a huge drop-off in terms of the talent on the line. So, I mean, adding Connor Williams in there, and, and I'm not an offensive line guy by any means, so I'm not going <laughs> to sit here and spout off uh, offensive line takes irresponsibly, but uh, I, I could tell that this guy, Connor Williams, is, is going to be a quality player for Dallas in year one, uh, an immediate impact starter. Yeah, I mean, you got to look. You have Lyle Collins now. Bring in Cam Fleming. Still have Zach Martin, Travis Frederick. Tyron Smith is probably the best left tackle in the league. And now you got Connor Williams in the second. I mean, that's that's impressive. It's a very impressive offensive line. And I want to touch on the receivers because the Cowboys added three receivers. Now, one of them wasn't a draft pick, but they bring in Tavon Austin. They draft Michael Gallup. And they also draft Cedric Wilson. I need to get your opinions. I know you're more of a receiver guy on all three of these acquisitions. Uh, so first, Tavon Austin. I, I honestly think he's like when when the trade was first reported by Ian Rappaport, he said that this that Austin was moving to running back type of uh, like a scat back type of role that um, Lance Dunbar occupied a couple seasons ago before he went on and I think he signed with Los Angeles Rams. So I think Austin is going to have a pretty unique role in this offense. He's going to be a type of guy who's going to get some carries, get some reverses, get some screens, maybe line up outside, out wide, often a little bit. But overall, I, I, I don't think he's going to be like an integral part of this offense either. I mean, at the end of the day, you still have Ezekiel Elliott run the ball, I, I would hope. With Michael Gallup, I think Michael Gallup's a nice receiver. I think he's a good receiver. I don't think he's a alpha receiver, if, if you want to, like, like Des Bryant was an alpha receiver, I don't think Michael Gaff's really going to fill his role right away, I don't think, he might ever, might not ever fill his role, but he doesn't really have to, I think he's a great complimentary guy, he's a good guy who's going to do everything really well, he's not really going to excel at anything exactly, like, he's not going to be in the top tier of any trait, but he's also not going to do anything really poorly, so, I mean, overall, he's going to be a reliable guy. And as for Cedric Wilson, I, I think he's going to make the team. I know he was taken in the sixth round, but I think he has excellent route running ability. 
And I think that's what you're looking for with Dak Prescott as quarterback instead of Tony Romo. You're looking for guys who are going to be able to separate because Dak really can struggle at times with his accuracy. So if he has to put the ball on the receiver perfectly, it's not going to work out as much as it did with Romo, who had way better pinpoint accuracy, where Dak was more general. Um, and you saw that last year, and that's why Des Bryant probably also took a little bit of a hit. While his skills did diminish, Dak didn't really help him out in certain areas of the field with his ball placement, and that really kind of hurt Dez as well. But overall, I think the receiver receiver group is okay. It's not getting a lot of love, obviously, and I understand that, but I think it's okay enough to actually have results with Dak Prescott because I don't think Dak really needs a super talented guy. He just needs a bunch of guys to kind of separate on their own. And it's similar to what Brady and the Patriots do in a way. They kind of have those quick quick guys like Dallas has Beasley. So like, and maybe Gallup can be that guy. He's a good route runner. Uh, Wilson, like I said, is a good route runner. It's just a matter of matching up with those really tough press long corner teams. And they're going to be seeing that a lot in practice now that you have um, Byron Jones and Jordan Lewis and Shidobe Awuzie um, back there with Chris Richard playing defense. So they're going to get practice against those type of teams uh, in, in practice. <laughs> so I don't know. I, 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 overall, I think it's an okay group. It's not, it's not the best, but it's not the worst either. Yeah, I mean, the Cowboys have put a lot of stress. Well, they've really stressed on getting talent in their secondary the last few seasons. I mean, they, uh, 2015, Byron Jones, first-round pick. Last year, getting Xavier Woods in the fifth was... I thought it was a pretty solid pick at the time. Jadobe Awuze last year in the second, Anthony Brown in 2016. They had a lot of young talent there. Now, you lose Skandrick to the Redskins, so you're going to look for some of these guys to step up. But I wasn't shocked by it, but they didn't address the secondary whatsoever. So I guess they have a lot of confidence in their building on those guys. They really didn't address the defense all that much outside of Chris Covington, Leighton Vander Esch, and then this guy right here, Dorrance Armstrong Jr. out of Kansas. Now, Dorrance Armstrong, I... I did one of the cross-checks or one of the evaluations on Dorrance. I've watched a lot of tape on him, supposedly, last season. Because let's lay this out. 2016, he had a monster year. A lot of people are saying he's going to be the Big 12 player of the year. He's an incredible player, yada, yada, yada. Reportedly, now I didn't hear this nationally, but I've, I've read a lot of articles on it, that he may have torn or slightly torn his ACL in one of the first practices in the summer. And he was able to play this season with that. Now, I don't know how much validity is to it, but there were a lot of reports coming out of Kansas that that is what happened, and that's why the production was so poor. That and the fact that Kansas didn't have anybody else on the defense, so offense is new to stop Dorrance Armstrong. What I saw from Dorrance was just an exceptionally quick athlete, somebody who could beat you with the quickness and really take advantage of adequate tackles and guards and stuff like that. Someone who could move in space with a lot of fluidity and agility, but someone who really did not know what he was doing with his hands or understood the nuances of playing defensive end. I also saw a guy who just got kind of bullied in the run game, lacking a lot of anchor, a lot of leg drive, a lot of play strength to the point of attack. Did you see anything different? Um, so I watched a little bit of him. He looked a little bendy, would you say? Yes, I saw I saw flexibility bend. I saw I saw a fantastic athlete. That's what I saw. Yeah. But yeah, I exactly. saw someone so who didn't know what he was Ron doing. That's a guy right there. That's all I need to hear. That's a Ron Marinelli guy. He's he's a piece of clay, and he's going to mold him into the player that he's going to become. Because Rod Marinelli has taken like dudes off the street, like George Selby, and allowed him to get a next contract <laughs> the following season, and like. He, he just consistently gets the most out of his players. So uh, if Dorrance Armstrong has all the traits and the skills that you're saying, I think, I think he could be a 
quality player down the line. Maybe not in year one, but down the line. Down the line, yeah. And another thing about Dorrance Armstrong that's famous is he's the one that Baker Mayfield was grabbing his junk towards. So he could be uh, famous or infamous, however you want to look at that, for that. And then... Tight end Dalton Schultz, because we know Jason Witten retired. We're going to hear him in the booth. I expect him to kill that. And Dalton Schultz is kind of a two-way player. He can receive. He can also block really well, and I think that really appealed to the Cowboys. I'm sure you like this pick. Yeah, I think it's a great pick. Um, I think he's actually going to see a, a pretty nice amount of snaps. Um, I think him, I think Schultz, I, I'm hearing a lot about play Jarwin. I'm hearing Will McClay likes Jarwin. And also um, uh, Jeff Swain. I think those three guys are going to have a key role in uh, the tight end room this season. They're going to be playing a tight end by committee. But, but one player I really want to talk about a little bit right now um, is their last pick, Bo Scarborough. I mean, what a fit. I mean, that's a dream, ideal scheme fit right there. I mean, Bo Scarborough kind of had a, has a little um, lack of juice, I would say, overall. But when you put him behind the Cowboys' offensive line, I think you're going to see um, a bow Scarborough that you wouldn't see behind any other offensive line, possibly. I, I think he's going to be a nice addition um, to spell Zeke on third downs, third and shorts, maybe even near the goal line if, if Zeke needs a rest. Uh, Dallas usually likes to give Zeke, um, I think it's the third drive of the game, off. It, it, usually that's what it looks like. If I, if I remember correctly, um, where guys like Alfred Morris would literally take the load the entire third drive or something like that. So maybe Scarborough could be that guy split with another back um, moving forward uh, in the 2018 season. Yeah, I mean, Rod Smith uh, played very well against the Giants last year, and he stepped up. I wonder how many times Bo Scarborough is going to absolutely piss off fantasy owners because they're going to hope Ezekiel Elliott gets the six points, but it's going to be Bo Scarborough falling across that line. That is something yep. that we will have to look forward to. And yeah, that's the Cowboys draft. I thought overall it was a solid draft. You seem to be very pleased with the draft as well. Yeah, very athletic draft. Very um, trending the right way. upside athletic draft. Yeah, and let's move on to the New York Giants draft now. I thought the Giants had a good draft overall, and first we could talk about Saquon Barkley. I've talked on this podcast about how I feel about Saquon Barkley. I've come up with several pieces on Saquon Barkley, and there was an opportunity cost there. The Giants could have got the future signal caller. The Giants could have traded back and replenished a roster that has a lot of holes and still has a lot of holes, even with all of these picks. But they decided to go with a running back. Now, I don't think that's the wisest decision, but with all that being said, Saquon Barkley is a difference-making running back who will help all three phases of the Giants' offense, which will in turn help the Giants' defense get off the field, get rest. And that is something that you can't overlook. And I know a lot of people are vehemently against the pick. I would say that I am not vehemently against it. I just think there was an opportunity cost that must be acknowledged. And in three or four years, when Saquon Barkley's, or four, five years, when Saquon Barkley's looking for a contract, we're going to have to tackle it at that time. And Eli will probably be done by then. What are the Giants going to do for quarterback? These are all questions that are going to have to come in. And it has to come from this opportunity cost of drafting a running back in the top five. The thing I did not like about what I heard coming from the Giants camp was the fact that Dave Gettleman didn't even like listen to any calls to trade back. He was punching the pick in no matter what. And I think that's a little short-minded, short-sighted. Because what if somebody, a couple picks later, wanted to trade up to get ahead of the Jets to draft Sam Darnold, you could have still got Saquon Barkley in the top five or six. You just never know. I thought I, that really kind of upset me. But you have to look at the positives now that this is already done. 
what are the positives that Saquon Barkley can bring? And there are a lot of positives that he can bring. Yeah, I agree. Um, overall, I'm not like a huge fan of taking a running back to overall. Neither am I. Um, I mean, he's already the I think, third highest paid running back in the entire NFL. It's kind of ridiculous. At this point. Uh, yeah, it's, it is a little ridiculous. But at the end of the day, like you said, he's going to be a playmaker. He's going to make plays for the Giants this season. Um, he's going. He's going to have an impact on on the field in, like you said, all three phases of the game. And I mean, he's going to help the defense out a little bit because they took a step back last year. Um, they're going to be able to control the clock when they want to. And I mean, a lot of that also has to do with their second round pick. Nick, you want to talk about Will Fernandez? Yeah, a bit. I know I, you're pumped about him. I was absolutely thrilled, and I was screaming his name. I said, "Draft Will Hernandez," and I had a feeling that's where Dave Gettleman was going to go. We talked about the hog mollies in his opening press conference, and we knew the Giants have not had any really hog mollies whatsoever. And you needed these interior linemen because you just lost Justin Pugh, you just lost Weston Richburg. You bring in Patrick Omai from Jacksonville. He started, so that is good. He was a starter on a very, very good team that went to the AFC Championship game and lost to the Patriots. But you still want those difference makers and you want to be able to run the ball and I think that is what is necessary to have the Giants compete this year is to have Eli Manning be protected and what is a better way to protect Eli Manning to have an effective running game that can set up the play action pass to set up all these other things that we have. The Giants actually have a lot of weapons on offense. I mean, you have Odell Beckham Jr. He can do anything. You have Sterling Shepard in the slot, can work the short to intermediate game. You have field stretchers like Evan Ingram who are mismatched nightmares. And you even bring in guys like Cody Latimer who can compete, still have Roger Lewis on the roster. And then you look at the offensive line, hopefully you get something out of Brett Jones. I'm still very concerned about the right guard position. Is it going to be John Jerry? Is it going to be Omahi? Is it going to be John Greco? We will see. Eric Flowers at right tackle. We'll see how that works. I mean, Eric Flowers is a big negative connotation around his name, but hopefully he can kind of finally put it together. I'm not holding my breath for that whatsoever, but you finally have a semblance of a pretty good offense. But when I look at the defensive side of the ball, that's where I start to get really, really concerned. But I absolutely loved the third-round pick of Lorenzo Carter. You can check my piece out at Inside the Pylon on how he fits into James Betcher's defense. And I think he fits in just phenomenally because – James Betcher can do whatever he wants with Lorenzo Carter. You can put his hand in the dirt. You can drop him into coverage. You can put him out in the nickel. You can guard him on tight ends. He's athletic enough to do all of these things. Lorenzo Carter is a chess piece, and he might be pivotal to this defense this year. You have Alec Ogletree, who's another athlete now. I did a piece on Alec Ogletree and his fit with James Betcher. You should go check that out as well. They can work in tandem together. B.J. Goodson, somebody they're going to be relying upon as well. I am a little concerned, though, because there's not a lot of depth here. There's not a lot of edge rushers. I know they get Lorenzo Carter, who is an edge rusher, but he wasn't as productive at being an edge rusher. I still want to see more from that phase of his game. And you also look at the secondary of this team. There was a lot of unproven talent there outside of Janoris Jenkins, who had a very, very big down year, who kind of gave up. You don't know what you're getting out of Eli Apple. And then Landon Collins, who's obviously a stud, but still has his deficiencies. So I look at the Giants' depth. And if they suffer some injuries in some of these key spots, it could be a really brutal year. But if they stay relatively healthy, they can compete this year. And that is very, very exciting. B.J. Hill in the third round, is uh, I thought it was a little premature. I wasn't as high on B.J. Hill as other people in this business. But I understand where their mindset is. And they've doubled down on the fifth round by getting R.J. McIntosh, which I like better than the B.J. Hill pick because of the value. B.J. Hill is going to be somebody who can spell Damon Harrison. is going to provide a lot of depth. And again, they're going to do base defense, three down front. You can kind of line them up at five technique if you need to, to kind of eat space and let the linebackers work. R.J. McIntosh, he is more of that traditional three technique. So I'm imagining they're going to try to see what he does at five tech. And you also bring in Kareem Martin 
uh, from Arizona, knows this system very well. Josh Morrow from Arizona knows this system very well. But again, I am concerned about the lack of depth. And then we got Kyle Aletta. Joey, would you want to talk a little bit about Mr. Kyle Aletta, who they drafted in the fourth round out of Richmond, and he's going to compete with Davis Webb? Yeah, I actually think Kyle Aletta is um, landing in a great spot for him, actually. I think him and uh, Shermer will get along real well. Shermer runs that West Coast offense, and I mean, Loletta doesn't really have a big arm, but he he's pretty good with the processing uh, on, in the processing department. So I think what you're going to see Loletta do is be a um, quick quick game passer, and I think he fits a lot of things that um, Shermer's going to want to do, the, the West Coast-type offense. Um, overall, I think this is a great value pick. Uh, fourth round, Kyle Loletta, and you know, like the uh, the Ron Wolf, let's get a quarterback every year. I mean, you got Davis Webb last year, and then you got Kyle Oletta. I mean, it couldn't be more polar opposites in terms of skill set, if, if you think about it. One guy likes to throw the yellow deep routes, kind of deep balls, and the other guy is, uh, doesn't have the biggest arm, but he's more of the mental type, um, short and accurate type player. Um, and then you got Eli, of course. And maybe maybe Walletta is the the hair to Eli. Who knows? I mean, it certainly it certainly wouldn't surprise me if he was given an opportunity, especially with the quarterback class next year not being that deep. Um, should should New York find themselves in the top ten again? I don't think that they're the quarterback that they might be worth taking. But I mean, it, at, at the end of the day, it is May. Yeah. So, um, but Kyle Walletta and Davis Webb. I mean. I think Valletta has a good shot at actually winning the backup spot. Yeah, and you you got to look at Case Keenum thrived. He was a journeyman, and he thrived when all the way to the NFC Championship game in Pat Shermer's system. So he's kind of taking these quarterbacks who may not have the biggest arm and may not be the most eye-popping on tape and kind of turn them into something, especially if they have high mental processing, which is something that Kyle Laletta does have. So when I look at the Giants draft overall, I thought it was a solid draft. You get foundational pieces. Saquon Barkley is going to help the team in its entirety, to be honest. And he's a fantastic pass blocker, which is something that a lot of running backs are not proficient at coming out of college. Will Hernandez. Got the guard, Lorenzo Carter, chess piece for the defense. Then you got depth for defensive lines. We know teams run these up-tempo kind of offenses, really tire out the defensive lines. Damon Snacks, Harrison, Olivier Vernon, they played so many snaps. So did JPP these last few seasons. Kind of need to take the wear off them. So that's what those guys will provide. So overall, I thought it was a solid draft. Again, the opportunity cost of drafting running back in the top five. We're going to see how that's going to play out. Not the biggest fan of that, but you got to look towards the positives right now. Agreed. Agreed, man. Is there anything else you want to touch on on the NFC East? I think overall it was a solid draft for the entire NFC East. A lot of great players being taken, and I think you see this division moving towards kind of like a old-school type um, feel. I mean, there's a lot of good offensive lines. There's, uh, and, I mean, you see the run games being improved with Darius Geis and uh, Saquon Barkley and Dallas adds Bo Scarborough. I mean, you're seeing some some guys are going to pound the football. I mean, and Will Hernandez and uh, Connor Williams, too. I mean, you see the identity of this division. It's old school. It's very old school, and I'm very excited. Well, there's nothing else. I'm Nick Filato. That is Joseph Ferriola. Joe, you want to tell them where they can find you on the Twitter machine? At NFL Draft Joey. NFL Draft Joey. And I am at Nick Filato. So thank you for tuning in to Breaking the Plane. Continue to follow us at IT Pylon and check the website out. We have a lot of great content from brilliant individuals. For now, take care, guys. Bye bye.